You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. If you have your Bibles, look with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. We're about 12 chapters into uh, the New Testament. You'll come to this letter that Paul wrote to the believers at Ephesus. And we've been working our way through this book as we're talking about God's work in our walk. And today we're actually making a transition in the book, and we're going to talk, our focus today is on this, your walk. How's your walk? Now, when I, when I ask how's your walk, I'm not talking about, like, do you walk fast or do you walk slow? Or do you walk with a limp or do you walk with a skip? I'm actually talking about the walking out, the living out of our faith. That becomes a significant phrase, chapter 3, chapter 4, cha- uh, excuse me, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. We find this word walk, Paul uses the word about six or seven times. So it's a consistent word in this theme of we have God's work, God's redeeming work on our part. Can we, are we grateful for that? Amen. God's grace is mercy to us. Now, what does it look like as we walk that out? Their walk with Christ begins when we accept him as our savior, but that's just the starting point, right? Are you with me? That's just the beginning place. Now we are called to live out our faith, to walk out our faith life. So as Christ follows, we're called to more than just believing. Believing is important, but, th- but again, that's just that's the beginning place called to follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, in, in John 14, 23, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. He said, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. My father will love him and will come to him and will make our home with him. So again, we're called not to just believe, we're called to follow. Jesus said, if you love me, then what? You're going to obey. You're going to do, you're going to do my word. You're going to do what I, I, I direct you to do. Now in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul begins to direct us as to what following looks like. Do you want to know what it looks like to live out the faith? That's what you find as you come to chapter 4. Now let me give you a bit of an analogy to uh, hopefully give you a word picture of what the book of Ephesians looks like. If you were going to build a new home, so think about that. If you were going to build a new home, you would sit down with a designer or an architect to draw up a set of plans of what the new home's going to look like. So you would have a set of plans. Or you would go and buy a set of plans that, that gives definition to the house that you're going to build. And after you secured the plans, like the, the next step is, is you would lay the foundation for the new home. Now, how many of you know foundation's really important, right? Like everything sets on the foundation. So it's critical that the foundation is not only solid, but that it's accurate. You want to make sure that, so you have the set of plans and you have the foundation. But how many of you know it doesn't stop there, right? You can't live in the foundation. Are you with me? So what? Now we have the process of constructing the rest of the house. So we bring in all of these different trades. We bring in the framers. We bring in the the plumbers, the electrician, the sheet rockers, the, the Finnish carpenters, all of these different trades who bring their contribution to the house that you are our building, and hopefully, eventually, the house that has been designed, the foundation that's been laid, has now been finished, and your family can enjoy it. So as we think about the book of Ephesians, this is the analogy that I want to draw. As we think about the book of Ephesians, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, the Apostle Paul gave us the plan, and he laid the foundation. 
He gave us the design of God's work for us. He laid a solid theological foundation. And now as we get to chapters 4, 5, and 6, we're beginning to talk about the, the work process. We're beginning to talk about the details of what go, that goes into the house, that goes into the, to your spiritual house, the house that's being built, the development that's happening in your life. Well, Paul here is giving us details as to, as to how we should apply, as to how we should live out the very mercy and grace of God that we have received. And because we've been rescued, redeemed, restored, and blessed, by God, we're called to honor Him, to honor Him with our lives. So again, that's what Paul is, is beginning to lay out for us in chapter 4. And what we can't do, or maybe I should say, like, what we shouldn't do, is we shouldn't like live a double life. Like on Sunday, we, you know, we, we, we talk, act, and relate one way on Sunday because it's the Lord's Day, but on Monday and Tuesday, we act and relate a different way. What's that called? That's called a double life. We shouldn't live a double life. The very faith we celebrate and profess on Sunday, we should live on Monday, right? There should not be a disconnect. Listen, if there's a disconnect, that's called dysfunctional Christianity. It's called living in deception because there can't be a disconnect. In the very faith, the very Jesus you profess on Sunday has to shape, has to impact how you live on Monday. So we don't want to live a double life. How many of you remember, this takes me back a few years, but how many of you remember the comedy movie, Mrs. Doubtfire? Any of you ever see it? A funny show. Um, In the movie, there was a, a couple, a married couple that had a bitter divorce. The husband was played by Robin Williams. The wife, the husband and dad was played by Robin Williams. The wife was played by Sally Fields, the wife and mother. And so there's this bitter divorce, and like the mom is trying to hold the children captive from dad, so dad can't see the kids. And so she's trying to hire a nanny, and the dad, played by Robin Williams, dresses up like an old maid, and actually interviews for the job and gets the job. So now he's the nanny, but he's also the daddy. And throughout the show, he's kind of like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, every scene's changing, and he's changing his, his identity and his character, and the role that he's playing goes from being nanny to daddy. Well, that's exactly how we shouldn't live as Christ followers, the double life. No, again, the very faith we profess the very grace we've received, Paul says, no, we're to, we're, to live, we're to live that out in our lives. Looking into your notes this morning, knowing Jesus as our Savior must change who we are and how we live. Our new identity in Christ should impact every area of our lives. Listen, you, you cannot proclaim to be a follower of Jesus, then go do whatever you want and live however you want. At that point, listen, hear me, friends. At that point, not only are you deceived, but you're no longer a follower of Jesus. You're a follower of you, right? If we're honest, at that point, if you say, no, I don't want to do what God's word says. I want to go do what I want to do. Again, at that point, you're not following Jesus. You're following self. Interesting, in Luke 6, 46, Jesus said this. Why don't you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Why don't you proclaim my lordship over your life, but then live like you want to? Again, there's, there's this disconnect. 
As we get to Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, what you're going to discover is that following Jesus must impact. It must impact every area of your life. Every area. As you embrace the Lordship of Christ. But as we think about the broader book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, Paul deals with God's work on our behalf, while the last three chapters reveal a responsibility for walking with Christ. For the past three weeks, our focus has been on God's action on our behalf. Now we're going to turn the table and we're going to talk about our action as we honor God in our lives. So as we look to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul begins this chapter with these words. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you. Or we might say it like this. Paul says, I beg you, I beseech you, because of, of the mercy and grace of God, because of his work on your behalf, this then is how you should walk out the faith. This then is, is how you should live. Now, as we look to chapter 4, Ephesians 4, there's 32 verses. And here's my challenge this morning. I don't have time to go verse by verse through the whole chapter. So what I want to do is, is from the chapter, I want to pull out what I believe is, is, is what Paul identifies as the four uh, characteristics of an, individu- of an individual who says, hey, I want to live my life worthy of the calling. Four areas that are an ongoing work in our lives because what we're walking out the faith. The first thing that Paul addresses is this. He says, as you're living your life worthy of the calling, you should cultivate healthy relationships. Cultivate healthy relationships. Now look to verse 2, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. It's on the screen. So let's read this together. Would you read this with me? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So think with me for a moment about your circle of relationships. Are you there? Let's read it again. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I believe that Paul goes right to the greatest, the area of greatest challenge for us when it comes to living out the faith. And that area of greatest challenge is people in relationships. How many of you know, if it were not for people, it'd be a whole lot easier to follow Jesus? Come on, can I get an amen on that? I mean, like me and Jesus, we do really well together. Me and Jesus, we get along fine. You're the problem. And you could say the same thing. You could say, hey, me and Jesus, we do just fine. But when we bring other people into the equation, we got a problem. The challenge becomes taking our faith and actually living it out in community. It's other people that that challenge us, yet it's there that God's called us to live out the very mercy and grace of God that we have received in our lives. People living that out. I, I had the experience, I mean, just I could give you a couple stories from this past week. I had an interesting week. Uh, but let me just tell you one story that happened to me this past week. I had gone to the hospital to do a visit. So I'm, I'm downtown, large parking tower. I've completed my visit. I come out, get in my truck, and I back out, and there's all of this traffic. There are a lot of cars. I don't know what's happened, 
but it, like nobody's moving. Um, obviously, there's some kind of hold up ahead. I don't know what it is. I just know we're all sitting there and no one can go anywhere because like nobody's moving. And all of a sudden, there's a lady behind me in a car. She starts honking on her horn. Not once, not twice, not three times, like a lot of times. Honk, honk. And I'm thinking, like, lady, I can't go anywhere. Like, nobody's going anywhere. And she keeps honking her horn. And I'd like to say, at that moment, I was thinking, I should just get out and share the love of Jesus with her. (laughs) That was not the thought that was crossing my mind at that point. Actually, at that point, there was some ugly stuff that was passing through my mind. Like, I can help you. I can help you unhook that horn from your car. (laughs) What I was thinking. People's the problem, right? Me and Jesus, we can do just fine. But you bring people into the equation who are messed up like me, and then we have a challenge. And that's the very place that Paul says, walk out the faith. Live out the grace of God. Live out the mercy of God. Where as you're cultivating healthy relationships. And if you look back to verse 2, Paul identifies here four qualities that we should be working on as we're cultivating healthy relationships. The first thing he says is, you know, live humility. Humility is what? It's, it's placing the needs of others above your own. It's seeing the value in the lives of others and placing them before yourself. I mean, Paul says it like this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, in, in humility, consider the interest of others better than yourself. As we're cultivating healthy relationships, what? We're, we're elevating others over ourselves. That's what humility is, is all about. The second characteristic that Paul identifies in Ephesians 4 2 is gentleness. He says, be kind and easy to get along with. Because Christ follows what we, we should not be harsh or stern or difficult to get along with. There should be a kindness in our lives that brings life for others and adds value to others. We're, we're kind, courteous. It's revealed in our actions and our words. The third quality that Paul identifies is patience. And we're cultivating healthy relationships. Well, we need some patience. And be slow to anger and, and to give grace to others. Yeah, this is an area that, for me, this is my biggest challenge. I'm not a patient man. I mean, about three or four times this week, I had experiences that gave me an opportunity to work on this. I felt like God was saying, hey, son, I'm going to refine this in your life. And if it wasn't enough that the Holy Spirit was saying that, my wife said it too. Don't go on it. She says, God's trying to teach you something. I, 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 I don't have patience for people. And I'm a pastor. That's what's so interesting. Something I'm working on. I'm a work in process. You're a work in process. But if we're going to cultivate healthy, life-giving relationships, Paul says patience is like, it's, it's, it's important. That we're slow to anger. That we give grace to others. That fourth quality, again, there in verse 2, is love. He says we give, we give to others and we live to be a blessing. Just as Jesus loves us with all of our imperfections and flaws, so we're called to love others. And as we live out love, we're always working for the good of others. 
So, so it's, as we're walking out our faith, we must be committed to cultivating healthy relationships, and that requires work. Listen, you can't say, I love Jesus, I just don't love people. It doesn't work that way. We're living out our relationship with Christ in community. You can't say, well, I just need Jesus. I don't need others. No, you need others. As we're walking out our faith, we're cultivating healthy relationships. The second thing that Paul talks about here in this chapter is he directs us to live a life worthy, worthy of our calling that pursues unity. Notice verse 3, 4, and 5. Do we have that? Notice what Paul says here. Verse 3 says, make every effort. In other words, give it your best. Work hard at it. That's what he's saying. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Make every effort to live in unity. Interesting, in John 17, just before Jesus was going to the cross, get this, this is what he passionately prayed. Father, may they be one as you and I are one. Why would he pray for unity? He goes on to say, John 17, that the world might know that you sent me. That, that our unity becomes a witness of the reality of Christ. How many of you know we live in a divisive culture? And just read, read the newspaper, watch the news. I mean, like folks can't get along. I mean, even... <laughs> This is what humors to me. Even in Washington, D.C., where we have supposedly the brightest and smartest men and women who we've elected to lead our nation, they can't get along. Have you noticed that? (laughs) In the divisive culture that we live in, what does it look like to live out the faith? We work for unity. In the midst of the wonderful diversity As we celebrate diversity, we're working for unity. Does that mean we're always going to agree? Probably not. But because we've chosen to live out, again, the mercy and grace of God, because we've chosen to love and to honor and respect, even in our differences, we can still be united. I mean, just think about about this room. Look around the room today at the people in the room. Notice we have a lot of diversity here today. I mean, we have... We have young people and we have people who are growing older. Notice I didn't say you're old. People who are growing older. With diversity. I mean, how someone who's a millennial thinks as to someone who's uh, in their 70s thinks, there's a big difference. We have diversity of, of gender. We have male and female. We have right brain, left brain working out. That's interesting, right? We have diversity of ethnicity. We have people here from different nations. Don't raise your hand on this, but we have some Democrats in the room. <laughs> and we have some Republicans in the room that bring different perspectives. Listen, there's all kind of diversity in the room, yet Paul says we should make every effort 
to live out love in such of a way that we are living in peace as we celebrate our diversity. And it takes work. There's a gentleman here in the church, I'll I'll not mention his name, uh, but he and I have, um, we have really different political ideologies, really different political positions. And oftentimes, uh, we get into, um, we get into conversation, I'll just say it that way. (laughs) About our different positions. And this is the deal. I haven't changed him yet. (laughs) One day he's going to wake up and come to his senses. And he hasn't changed me yet. We've come to a place that we can agree to disagree, that we can stand united. And it happens because I love him, I respect him, and I honor him. He loves me, respects me, and honors me. And we have this pretty broad difference, yet we're united. Why? Because we are committed to working toward peace. Does that make sense? Paul says that's what it looks like to walk worthy, to live our lives worthy. We we are making every effort to be united, to be at peace. Here's a third thing that Paul talks about as as we're living our lives worthy, walking out our faith. We're choosing godliness. We're choosing to live our lives in a godly fashion. Look to Ephesians 4, verse 17 and 18. Paul says, so I tell you this, and I, I insist on it. Notice the strength of the, of, of the wording here. I insist on it. In the Lord, that, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Notice, with a continual lust for more. Within this passage... The Apostle Paul challenges us not to live as the ungodly Gentiles, not to live as those who've not come to faith in Christ, but to honor God with our lives, to choose godliness. So what does it mean to choose godliness? I think it simply means that we choose to follow the ways of God and the word of God rather than following the ways of the world. Like there's two paths and we choose to go down this path that honors God rather than choosing to go down this path that dishonors God. I think choosing godliness means that we choose to make decisions that honor God instead of choosing to follow our selfish desires. Choosing godliness, not just on Sunday, but every day as we're living out our faith. Let me give you just a, a, a couple of four examples as to what this might look like. Let's say that you go to the grocery store, you go to Harris Teeter, you do your shopping, and you go to check out, the clerk runs all of your groceries through, she tells you how much it is, and you pay with cash. I know that's probably not common today, but just work with me. You pay with cash, and the cashier or the clerk gives you your change back, and she happens to give you $5 too much. Now at that point... You don't walk out and say, well, it must be my lucky day. Praise Jesus. 
Now, at that point, you go back to the clerk and say, ma'am, I'm so sorry, but I think you gave me $5 too much. Here it is. That's what it, call, that's what it looks like to choose to live godly. That's what godliness looks like in your life. Here's another, for example, let's say, probably this would never happen in your workplace, but let's say at another workplace, out at the water cooler, there's a group of folks gathering and there's some, there's some juicy gossip happening. And you're passing by. And rather than opening your big fat mouth, you choose to keep it closed and you keep walking. What did you just do? You were acting godly. You were choosing godliness. Let's say you're, you're working in your office at home. You're doing a little research on the computer. You're on the Internet, and all of a sudden there's, there's a pop-up on the screen that invites you to a site that you know you shouldn't go to. But it's inviting you there. And you choose to take the little mouse, and you go up to that X, and you click it off, and you close the invitation, what did you just do? You acted godly. You chose right. Or let's say, let's say there's a, a single mom who has a financial need, and you become aware of the financial need, and you choose to do something about the financial need. You choose to live generously. What's that called? It's called living out godliness. It's it's doing that which is right. It's doing that which is, is God-honoring in your life and, and with your life. So as, as we're walking out the faith, we're, we're, we're choosing godliness. We're not living as the ungodly. No, we're choosing that which is right and God-honoring, and that in that our lives become worship to God. Again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're not just talking about the faith. We're now living out God's Word in our lives. That brings us to the fourth and final charge for, for those who choose to live a life worthy of our calling is this. We embrace transformation. Embrace transformation. Look with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. It's on the screen. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. Notice to put off. You say that with me. Let's say it again. Let's say it together. Put off. What are we going to do? We're putting off. We put off our old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Here in these verses, the Apostle Paul is identifying an ongoing process that should be happening in the life of every Christ follower. Not just a select few, but if you're here today and you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, then on a daily basis, you should be embracing this transformation process. This ongoing, it's an ongoing growth process because we're all in process, right? We all, can we agree on this? We all have a few things that we need to work on. And maybe you're like me, you have a lot of things you need to work on. We're, we're all in process. So on a daily basis, as we're walking out our faith, we're embracing this transformation. 
See, when you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, your spirit was 100% saved, but your soul is being saved. Your mind is being saved. That's why you get saved, but you're still having a few struggles in your life. Why? Your soul is being saved. There's a process working out in your life of you becoming more like Christ. There's, a, there's an ongoing growth and development process. It's much like, much like a, a newborn infant. How many of you know babies don't come out of the womb walking and running? Right? Babies don't come out of the womb with a full vocabulary speaking full sentences. Babies don't come out of the womb knowing right from wrong. Someone has to train them. There's a process of development. There's a process of growth that hopefully brings them to a place of maturity. And so it should be in our lives. Ongoing process. It's called this process of, of transformation. When we're, we're embracing the transforming work. We're putting off the wrong attitudes, the wrong actions. We're renewing our minds. We're putting on right attitudes and right actions. So we're, we're in this ongoing process of confronting the wrong in our lives. That's what we're putting off. We're changing our thinking. Renewing our minds. We're, we're then living out what's right in God honoring. Listen, this doesn't happen like once or twice in your life. And this is not like a, a one-time deal. Well, praise God, I've done that. Don't have to do that again. No. Listen, it's every day. When I'm up early in the morning and I'm in the Word and I'm having my prayer and my worship, there's some transformation happening. It happened yesterday. It happened the day before. It's going to happen tomorrow morning. I've been walking with Jesus since I was four, and I'm 54, so 50 years, and I'm still in process. I'm putting off the old man. You know, when I was in the parking tower, remember the story I told earlier? When I was in the parking tower, and that lady was honking her horn behind me, and the ugly was passing through my mind, that reminded me again, I have some transforming, I have a process that needs to continue to happen in my life. That little incident showed me some ugly that was there. And if you're honest, there's probably a little ugly in your life. We need to put off, renew our minds, and put on the new man. Interesting, I'll not take long with this, but in the last part of the chapter, Paul goes on and he gives us some illustrations as to what this looks like. Verse 25, he says, we should put off falsehood, renew our minds, and speak truth. Verse 26, he says, we should put off anger, renew our minds, and be self-controlled. In verse 29, he says, we should put off stealing, renew our minds, and get a job. In verse 29, he says, we should put off unwholesome talk, renew our minds, and speak words that bring life. Verse 30, he says, we should put off bitterness and malicious behavior, Renew our minds and be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to others. Now, this list is certainly not complete. but It gives us some understanding as what it looks like to live our lives in a God-honoring fashion. We're embracing transformation. Every time something shows up that needs to be put off, you, you address it. We're putting off. We're, we're changing our thinking. And we're putting on. This new man in Christ. So as Christ followers, 
who are living our lives worthy of the calling we've received. As we're walking out our faith, what are we doing? We're, we're committed to cultivating healthy relationships. We're committed to, to pursuing unity. We're committed to choosing godliness. We're, con- we're committed to embracing this transformation process. See, what we discover in Ephesians 4 is that beyond professing Jesus as our Savior, we are called to follow Jesus. Listen, His life in us must change who we are and how we live. If you're going to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, then follow Him. Take His Word. Put it to work in your life. Embrace that of the refining process of the Holy Spirit as we live out our faith. How many of you would agree with me this morning? We have a little work to do. Would you agree with that? Well, Lord, we just come humbled and honest before you this morning. Lord, we're grateful for your mercy and grace to us that's rescued us, redeemed us. We're grateful for your blessing. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us. Because there's your work for us. Now there's how we walk it out. Lord, what I know is we all need help when it comes to cultivating healthy relationships. Lord, people create problems. That's what I know. And sometimes we are the problem as it comes to relationships. Holy Spirit, help us bring mercy and grace into those into those relationships. We all have them. And some of them are really challenging. Holy Spirit, help us with that. Help us bring our faith alive in that area. Holy Spirit, help us as we're making every effort to live in unity. In the midst of this amazing diversity here in our community. Holy Spirit, help us to choose godliness to choose that which is right. But what I know is before this day is out, we're going to have opportunity to do right or to do wrong. Holy Spirit, help us as we're maturing, as we're growing, to choose right more than wrong. Holy Spirit, help us to embrace this this transformation process. May we put off Lord, there's some things we need to put off this morning. For some here, it's anger. For some, it's, it's unwholesome talk. For some, it's, it's lying. For, for some, maybe it's greed. For some, it's, it's lust. It's, it's, it's inappropriate sexual activity. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us to put those things off. To renew our mind, to change our thinking, to put on the new man. We just recognize today, that for all of us, as we're walking out the faith, we need help. So, Holy Spirit, we, we welcome that this morning. We invite that this morning. As we honor you walking out our faith life. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. 